would this morning, turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There's only one place, folks, that we have to go for any trust of anything in this world. I love this woman dearly. I would lay down my life for her if that were necessary. I love my children dearly. But quite honestly, they're just flesh. That's all I am to her. I have no doubt she loves me as well, but I'm just flesh. There's only one place that you can fully put your trust in, and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. The very one who gave himself for people, laid down his life for that people that he has loved from before the world was, shed his own blood so that they would be washed clean in his righteousness, sitting on his throne right now and working everything out according to his counsel for our good. Sure seems to be a lot of deep sorrows going on around us in the world today, doesn't it? Mike and I were just talking earlier about, you know, Brother Scott in the, in the hospital, Brother Art Olive, who uh, was in the hospital. We were concerned that he was having a stroke. Uh, Friday night was when we received the word that he was in the emergency room. So it wasn't until this morning when we were relieved of that thought that he was having a stroke. Our sister, Jamie, as you, those of you who know, she's lost many members of her family to different things lately. One was killed in a motorcycle accident. An uncle who is close to her is now diagnosed with uh, an incurable cancer and they don't expect him to last much longer. Just seems like there's one thing after another, doesn't it? I can't remember who it was talking about it just recently, last couple of days. You turn on the news and somebody's getting shot somewhere, aren't they? Some guy's gone off crazy and decided to take a gun to a place they wouldn't hire him for whatever reason and shoot up a bunch of people kill a bunch of innocent people. It just seems like no matter where you turn today, something's going on that's hurting people. People are doing things to each other. And to a sinner who is saved by grace, we got to get out of bed every morning and face this flesh that we live in, don't we? Aren't you thankful that he is faithful? He says he's going to save some people. He's faithful. He's going to save that people. And as God, nothing's going to get in his way. It says in, in John, no man plucketh them out of my hand. The Lord says, no man. You know, when I first heard that, I remember listening. I remember how I felt about that when Pastor Gene first mentioned, as far as I can remember, back way back when, 20-something years ago. I thought to myself, no man can pluck them out of my hand, saith the Lord. 
That means I can't do anything to take myself away from God. That's good. I like that. Because that, that, I try all the time. I don't know about you guys. You guys may walk perfectly. I don't. I don't. I, I struggle. Uh, I get up every morning and I see the sins of the flesh. And if, 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 if at, at least I have, I can stop myself at some point there when I get out of bed and say, thank you, Lord, for being faithful and taking care of things for me. Because I'm just blowing it. I just blow it in myself. We were reading there in the Psalms. I want to read, I want to read that again. I'm going to read that again. And I know it's supposed to read it without comment. Well, that was then. This is now. When David writes in the verse 4, Concerning the works of men by the word of thy lips, I have kept from the paths of the destroyer. I have called upon thee. No, that's not what I was going to find. Where is it there? Let me find it here. Well, he cries unto the Lord to, to keep him. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me. Now David had plenty. He had plenty of men around him that were trying to kill him. His own son tried to kill him, didn't he? Who do you think David's worst enemy was? Who was his worst wicked enemy that was trying to oppress him? He called him from my deadly enemies who compassed me about. It's like I said a moment ago. You folks may not, but I do. I got the greatest enemy of this world right here inside of me. That flesh that I wake up in. There's trouble. There's trouble in this world to a sinner. If your sins don't bother you, I have concern for you. And you should have concern for yourself. Our sins bother us, those of us who know that God. I know that God's paid every one of them. I know that he's laid every sin that I can think of in my mind that I'm going to commit and that I've committed upon my Savior, the Lord Jesus. I know that my Lord Jesus has taken everything that I deserve. So I have some kind of peace a little bit as all of God's people, do we have a little bit of that peace knowing that that sin that I just thought, that just went through my mind a moment ago, was laid upon my Savior? But that doesn't give me any comfort from that sin other than the results of what that sin would be. I'm comforted to know that I'm going to spend an eternity with him, but I don't like what I was just thinking. You better not be liking. You better not be liking the sin that's going on in your life today. So if it's bothering you, if you're having a a bit of a trouble getting out of the bed in the morning with that sin that's in this flesh, listen to these words. Our Lord says these words in Isaiah chapter 40. We'll get to Proverbs in just a moment. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Here's some comfort for you. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. That's the people of God. That's the ones that he chose from before the world was to lay down his life and shed his blood for. 
Jerusalem, speak comfortably to them and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend. Your iniquity is pardoned. As children of light, we do struggle with the pains of this world, the loss of loved ones, the fear of the unknown. That's right. We have fear of the unknown, don't we? If I stood here before you right now and told you that I feared nothing in that bed, in that hospital bed, I'd be lying to you. Was I ready for the Lord to take me from this world? As ready as any human in the flesh can be. But that did not mean I didn't fear what was unknown, what, what the beyond was. I stopped thinking about what the Lord says beyond that river. My Savior, His throne. And all I could think about was what was behind a closed door. There's fear. My heart breaks right now for Scott as he lays in that bed. There's faint, there's fear of the unknown. We have pain of death. The course of this country. The evils of the world, but most close, our biggest is what's close to our heart is the wickedness that we see within. I want to talk, I'd like to talk to you this morning about our great weakness. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. One verse. One verse. Mark your Bibles. We'll, we'll come back to some more verses afterwards. But right now, just verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now I want to stop there for just a minute. You know, every time our dear brother, and that's who he is. He's a brother in Christ, David, King David, this great psalmist. Every time he wrote in a messianic form, in other words, speaking as though he was Christ, and, he, and every time he, he uh, talked about his strength in leaning on God, you know, who, you know who was faithful in leaning on God with all of their strength? Our Savior. Did not the Savior cry unto God the Father, Lord, remove this cup from me, nevertheless thy will be done. Did he not cry out those words, remove this cup from me? Yet nevertheless thy will be done. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And I shared that with you a moment ago because even our trust we can't count on. Even our faith we can't count on, but it is faith. It's believing who it is that said the words that we read in this book. It's believing the one who speaks of himself as almighty in this book. It's believing in him. But yet our belief is not going to save us. He saved us. He did it all, folks. 
Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Oh, how I wish I could. But I don't. Thank God for my substitute. But here's our great enemy right here next to the last of this verse. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not unto thine own understanding. I gave this message about two years ago in, in 2021. As I was going over the notes again and rewriting it for today's message, I thought to myself, you know, this is the heart and the meat of every message, is it not? I come to the Lord's table to remind me not to lean on my own understanding, but to trust in Him, to look to Jesus, to turn my eyes upon the one whom my salvation is from, is, is embedded in, in, assured in. Lean not, trust not, have no confidence is what that's saying. What an unnatural thing to do, isn't it? Some of us have been around a little while. Sorry, Polly, I didn't mean to look at you personally. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dear. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of us have been around a little while, haven't we? Lean not unto your own understanding. That's that has got to be. Lord, how? How can I not lean on something of? Okay. Let me, I know better than getting on a roof and hammering with the nails. You know why? Because I've done it once and smashed my finger. Now, how am I not supposed to lean upon that knowledge? Get up there, hammer it anyway, trust in the Lord. That's a tough thing to do, folks, is it not? Do you get what I'm saying about that? Do you not struggle with that yourself? How can I lean not? Don't I have to get up and do something, God? Don't I have to get up and start going to church on Sunday? Isn't there something i got to do like that? God's Word says to you and I, lean not. What? Let's read that again. Let's see. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. That... Folks, that, that is an, in fact, an impossible thing for any natural man to do. That's impossible. Under our original minds that we came into this world with, our dead and trespasses hearts, we leaned upon what we thought was our natural abilities, our natural knowledge. And to turn away from that is impossible. Every part of our mind leans on what we know, what we've experienced, and what we see with these natural eyes. 
How can I throw all that out? How can I lean not on what I have learned over the time and the experience of my lifetime? You can't. You can't do it. You just, especially, especially when the Word of God is so against, so against. The Lord says to us, He says, My ways are not your ways, and your ways are not mine. Everything about God Almighty, everything true about who He is, what He's done, and where He is right now, is so against the natural mind of men. You say, now wait a minute, John, that's not true. I, I know people who go to church and believe in God, and they do this and they do No, they don't. No, they don't. They believe in something, but it's not the true and living God. And many of us were right there with that and would be right there with that today if it wasn't for the grace of God. You see how every message comes right back around to that? Isn't that wonderful? Our Lord is gracious and merciful to a people. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, cannot turn away from what you naturally are in the flesh unless something unnatural happens. Throw over to John chapter 3 if you would. How can I throw all of that out? How can I lean not on what I've learned over time and experience? How can I turn from all that I have known and put my trust what is here in a book written of men. And that's what it is. God's people know that God Almighty inspired these men to put this book together. I've had this explanation given to me twice in my life, and the first time I just like, whatever. <laughs> that's it, you know. All the different men that wrote the Bible over all the different years, have all written the Bible about the same thing. Now that's not natural to any man. That story was given to me once before God spoke to me, and he was given to me again after the Lord spoke to my heart. The second time I said, that's right. And I gave you my first response a moment ago. <laughs> How can I turn from all that I've known and put my trust in this book we hold in our hands in this letter to God's people. If you've never heard this message, I pray that God would be pleased by his grace to give you ears to hear this morning. If you have heard this message before, I pray once again that God by his grace may be pleased to bring you comfort your heart is aching. Look with me at this example of man in his natural state and the explanation of salvation. Beginning at verse 1, we read in John, you know what, i got to get there with you, don't I? In John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, there is a man of the Pharisees. This is a man who was a religious man. Folks, the Pharisees were the most religious people that walked this earth at that time. 
You know, everybody else had gods made with hands. Everybody else had carved their little gods out of wood or stone or whatever. But the Pharisees claimed to be believers of the true and living God. They didn't believe in Jesus Christ as being God. They didn't believe in his will over their will. But they did believe in a God that you could not hold in your own hands. They were the most religious people that walked this earth. I express that to you because you and I all know people just like that, don't we? Maybe even one of us were just like that. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. Did you notice that? He came by darkness. He didn't come out in the broad daylight. No, his religious friends would have seen him. He came to God by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered, he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus heard those words. He heard those words and like any natural man, any man in their natural state, anyone who is leaning on their own understanding would say, that's flat out crazy. Nobody's ever gone back into their mother's womb. In fact, isn't that what Nicodemus says next? Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? See there? How can that be? That goes completely against what I have lived with all my life. All the things that I have learned, that it's my decision to make my own destination, that it's up to me to decide which path to walk. How can I go against that? That's against the rules of nature. How can I be born again? Am I going to climb in my mom's womb again? You see what I'm talking about? You see how the things of God go right against the very nature that we come into this world with, right off the bat. Look at verse 5. And Jesus answered and verily said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot. Born of water and of the Spirit. That's water. That's the word of God. That's the preaching of the gospel. Everywhere you see water in scriptures, you see it flowing, doing what it's supposed to be doing. The gospel goes out and flows through God's people. Preaching of the gospel and of the spirit who comes and makes that gospel effectual in the hearts of men, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That word enter means to proceed. It means to understand. Then he goes on in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's your nature. That's your nat natural thoughts, the very thing the Lord warns us of there in Proverbs chapter 3. 
Do not lean upon your own understanding, upon the understanding of the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The, the Lord is using John, to, or, or the Lord is teaching here that unless you are born again, I understand that you can't comprehend what it means to be born again getting into your mother's womb, but that's not what it's talking about. Our God is spiritual. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. In other words, quit struggling with that. Here comes the answer to it. The wind bloweth wherewith it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell which way it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Oh. Oh, what beautiful words to hear. You know what that says in plain language? I know you know. I know you know. How many of you sitting there thinking in your head, salvation is of the Lord? You're right. That's exactly what that's saying. How many of us have, get, you know, Kathy and I were out here blowing leaves yesterday. You noticed we didn't quite finish vacuuming at all, but we got as much as we could before dark. There, the roof was just covered. Those leaf guards we got when we got our new roof, I went out and bought some for the other building over there. They're working great. But every time we would blow the leaves off and get it all cleaned off, the Lord would send a wind from a direction that wasn't coming a moment ago, and then boom, here comes all the leaves down on us together. Like, ha! I give up. I give up. No, I don't. I'll just come back and clean them up again later. Folks, we can't tell where the Lord's going to send a wind from. You can't tell who the Lord's going to save next. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Are you, are you not in charge of things? Buddy, I'm in charge, is what he's saying. To this religious man, he goes, Everything, including the wind, is under my sovereign will. That's good news to a sinner who needs saving. A sinner who can't do anything themselves. That's great news to hear about there's a God who works all things out according to his counsel, who works, who wills the wind to go where he wants it. Are you not a, a master of Israel? Do you not understand what it is to tell somebody to go here and do something and they go and do it? He says in verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Remember what he says over in John chapter 10? Over in John chapter 10, he says to some unbelieving Jews, some religious folks who don't believe in the word of God, he says to them, after they ask him, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly, he says to them in verse 25, I told you, and you believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
if I have told you earthly things, in verse 12 of our text, John chapter 3, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up into heaven, but that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Turn back to your our text in, in Proverbs chapter 3, if you would, and I'll try not to go too much longer here. You all know the story of the demonic man, Lord crossed the sea, got over there on the other side of the sea, the Gadareans, uh, where the Gadareans were. I think I said that right. I may have been wrong. But you know what I mean. And the man in the tombs, he was cutting himself. He was crazy. He was wild. Nobody could bear it. And the Lord spoke to him, spoke to the, the devils that consumed him. You know what that is? That's us in the flesh. That's what's in us. That's what the Lord did to us when he saved us, when he called us out of darkness into the presence of his light. He spoke to that devil that was in us and cast him out. He cut out the old stony heart that said, I will not have this one to rule over me. And he gives us a heart that's willing to come to him now, willing and loving him because he first loved us. So the Lord did that. Where was this demonic man after all that was over? Where was he? He was at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, worshiping the Savior. That's the difference. That's the difference between God coming and giving life, spiritual life, to one of his people. To lay all of our cares at his feet. To lay our sorrows at the feet of Christ. To turn from what we have as natural men, we must be born again. In other words, we must be given a new understanding of all it is. Isn't that what that is? There was a day when none of us understood that God means he's God. Like the rest of the world, like all the rest of the folks that walk this earth, we thought God meant whatever we wanted him to be. We thought maybe the world came into being on its own. Big Bang Theory. Maybe uh, maybe some fishes grew feet and walked, maybe. Folks, we don't think those things anymore. Something's changed in us. We've been given a new understanding. We've been given the gift of faith to believe, and it doesn't matter if that faith is as small as a mustard seed. You see, it's not your faith that matters. It's the matter, it's the faithfulness of him who has given you that faith. Our God rules not just in most things, but he rules in all things, and that includes the hearts of men. This is the result of his love. We are brought to love him because he first loved us. We are brought to see by grace we are saved through faith and that it's not of ourselves lest we should boast. 
His love for his people is so great that he gave himself as a ransom for us. He became flesh, as we read in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world and received up into glory. Romans 5, 6, we read these words, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Down in Romans chapter 8, we read these words, If God be for us, who could be against us? This is how we lay natural things. Things of this world that we're not to have any trust in. This flesh that we walk in, what do we do? We lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's what we do. We lay it at the feet of Jesus. Philippians 3, 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have what? Some confidence? Any confidence? No, Paul says it right. We have no confidence in this flesh. We turn from our own understanding and we lean upon him. We lean upon his word. And folks, I'm here to tell you today that God does not make mistakes. That includes how much faith he's given you. I'm going to go a little bit long. I apologize. How much faith did Joseph, Mary's husband, have when he found out she was pregnant? How much faith? Those of you who know the story know he had he had three options. He was a just man, and he took one of the three options, which were options of this world. Number one option is he could have put her away in divorce by going to the court, going to the leaders of the of the of the uh, the area at that time, the religious leaders, and publicly divorcing 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 her. Or he could have had her stoned to death. Or he could have privately put her away. He chose to do privately. God overruled that, though, didn't he? He came to Joseph in a dream and told Joseph why Mary was pregnant. Up until that point, up until that point of that spirit, the, the, the uh, Holy Ghost coming to him in a dream, up until that point, he thought Samaria had sinned against him. He leaned upon what he knew of this world until God interceded. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make the point of but God. Back in our text of Proverbs chapter 3, and I'll make this quickly. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understandings. Folks, in Isaiah 53, 5, we read this, But he was wounded for our transgressions. Here's why we can trust God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace 
was upon him. In 53.11, we read this, he, sh he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. In verse 12, therefore will I divide him a portion of the great. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in this one who has made intercession for you and I. And he says to you and I, in his way, for I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So we read in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetous and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we walk so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now let's close with these words instructed us over here in chapter 10 or chapter 3 of Proverbs. Look at verses 6 through 10 with me. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bone. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst. Of a new rest. Now remember, we're talking about spiritual things. We know that God speaks to you and I in spirit and in truth. You may be here today going, my barns aren't full. This is talking about our spiritual barns. If you have Christ, folks, you have everything. And you have all that is needed. When the world around us gets rough, turn your eyes upon Jesus. When the sorrows of this world become as a wave of the sea pounding down upon you, turn your eyes upon Jesus. As Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, if you've been bitten, if you've been bitten by the sin that's within you, and as Moses had lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness and the people looked upon it, turn your eyes upon Jesus. What does our text say one more time? And I pray God will take these words from Proverbs 3.5 and put them in your heart as you go about your way through this world this next week. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. I pray God will be with you as you go about your day, these days these next weeks.